For my prepared message, um, in my message, I'm going to be reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. So if you uh, follow along with your scripture or your Bible um, as you watch, uh, feel free to turn there. I'll read it in a few moments. And this sermon, I will say, is based somewhat on the scriptures that uh, were provided for Ascension Day, which was this past week as part um, of the church calendar. It's also a sermon about shortages, a sermon about abundance and about scarcity and about all that God can provide. So it feels as if we live in a world in which there is pretty much a shortage of everything. You know, when the pandemic first started, it was a shortage of toilet paper and then other paper products like Kleenex and paper towels. And then understandably, there was a shortage of hand sanitizer. And for a while, there was a shortage of masks and personal protective equipment, or as we knew it as PPE. And then there seems to now be a shortage of everything from lumber to rental cars to parts needed to manufacture other products. Now, this is probably all just part of the process of coming out of a major pandemic since a lot of manufacturing has ceased due to low demand and closing down, and now it's cranking back up again. Nevertheless, there is a shortage. And then a major gas line or gas pipeline got hacked by computer hackers and everything shuts down and we end up with a temporary shortage of gasoline brought on mainly by the inability to distribute it and deliver the product. So you take all that into consideration and it seems that this has been a season of shortage. And I'm sure we're all exhausted as we lurch from one shortage to the next. Now with the shortage has come what's I think is the byproduct of panic. Not wanting to get caught with being left empty-handed, folks engage in what has been called panic buying. Whether it's toilet paper, hand sanitizer, or gasoline. We even read that folks are now panic buying homes because prices are skyrocketing. Fear begets more fear. Panic begets more panic as we do everything we can to make sure we don't get caught without or end up being one of the ones that's stranded or we end up with nothing. Once fear morphs into panic, though, it's more or less hijacks our heads and our hearts, and we end up disconnecting ourselves from society and one another. And all we can think about is how I'm going to get enough of what I need, how I'm going to beat the other person. At that point, everyone else becomes the competition. We lose all sense of living on common ground and sharing a common humanity. Now, part of this challenge is that we're driven by what is often called the scarcity mindset. This mindset, in simple terms, is the belief that there will never be enough. And as a result, our thoughts and our actions stem from a place of lack. Now, to be sure, it may be a temporary shortage of something, but when that happens, we perceive the whole of life as lacking and the scarcity mindset kicks in. And then we're driven to make sure we get enough for ourselves. Scarcity mindset isn't just about toilet paper. It's not just about gasoline. It's not just about material items. We may carry this mindset when someone else gets promoted or someone else has some measure of success or they're recognized. We may feel their accomplishments have taken something away from us and we find it hard to celebrate their accomplishments. So instead of looking for ways to compliment them, we look for ways to compete with them or maybe even worse to tear them down. As Stephen Covey wrote, people with a scarcity mentality have a very difficult time sharing recognition and credit. They also have a very hard time being genuinely happy for the successes of other people. It's almost as if something is being taken away from them when someone else receives special recognition or windfall gain or has remarkable success or achievement. You can always tell, I can always tell whether I'm operating from a scarcity mentality or not when someone else 
gets an award or someone else gets recognized and internally and inwardly do I celebrate with them or do I find fault and look for ways to see that maybe that was a false award or they shouldn't have deserved it. The opposite of course would be an abundance mentality. This mentality sees that in life there's plenty out there for everybody. This shows up as a willingness to share resources, praise, recognition, and even decision making. Everything is a collaboration. Whether it's natural resources, whether it's emotional resources, the person with an abundance mentality doesn't intend to hoard or just consume. Instead, they intend to share and celebrate with others in this journey called life. When we live with this abundance mentality, we see life from the perspective of win-win, and our go-to is cooperation and collaboration. When we live with the scarcity mentality, we see life from the perspective of win-lose, and our go-to is competition. The author, uh, Quaker author Parker Palmer, frames it well when he writes this. The quality of our active lives depends heavily on whether we assume a world of scarcity or a world of abundance. I want to read that again because I think what he says is very important. The quality of our active life, and I would even add our spiritual life, depends heavily on whether we assume a world of scarcity or a world of abundance. Now, in his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul assumed a world of abundance. In his opening blessing in chapter 1, Paul reminds the Ephesians this, We have forgiveness for our failures, based on his overflowing grace, which he poured over us with wisdom and understanding. This is not the language of scarcity. This is the language of abundance. Listen to those words again, overflowing grace and pouring over us wisdom and understanding. Paul doesn't see God holding back anything from us, rather providing us with abundant grace, abundant wisdom, and abundant understanding. It's as if we live in a universe in which we literally don't lack, and God provides all that we need. And then these words, which almost sound like a prayer, right in the middle of Paul's letter from Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. I don't stop giving thanks to God for you when I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that makes God known to you. I pray that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call, what is the richness of God's glorious inheritance among believers, and what is the overwhelming greatness of God's power that is working among us believers. This power is conferred by the energy of God's powerful strength. God's power was at work in Christ when God raised him from the dead and set him at God's right side in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority and power and angelic power, any power that might be named not only now but in the future. God put everything under Christ's feet and made him head of everything in the church, which is his body. His body, the church, is the fullness of Christ, who fills everything in every way. These words, this particular passage, lives and breathes abundance. In Paul's words, he prays that God will give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that enables us to connect with God in a more intimate way. Paul prays that we will have enough light to see the hope of God's call on our lives and the richness, there's that language again, richness of God's inheritance towards us. And then Paul acknowledges this overwhelming greatness of God's power that is working among us and those who live in relationship with God. There literally is nothing stingy 
in these words. Paul has no sense that God wants to or will withhold anything from us. In other words, in God's kingdom, in God's economy, in God's world, and in God's creation, there is no shortage of grace or wisdom or light or power or presence. In Paul's understanding, in Paul's faith, God will provide all the physical, spiritual, and emotional resources we will ever need. And in what feels like an exclamation point, Paul writes this at the end of chapter 3, Now to him, that is God, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we could ever ask or imagine. In other words, we can't even imagine all that God can offer us and provide for us. It's far greater than that. It's far greater than what we ask. We are always under-asking, if that's such a phrase. Now, with all this availability of God's grace and God's power and God's resources... It's a wonder. It's a wonder why we, I, even live with an idea that there is a shortage, that we even live with this scarcity mindset. We sometimes live as if there is a shortage of God's love and forgiveness. We feel as if at some point the grace spigot is going to run dry, or maybe there isn't enough grace and love to cover all of our failures and mistakes. So consequently, we don't rest in God's love and grace. Instead, We live out this kind of anxious spirituality which is always trying to perform for God. So maybe God will like us. Maybe God will love us and look past all of our failures and mistakes. When in reality, God doesn't even see our failures and mistakes. God doesn't identify us with our failures and mistakes. All God sees is an amazing miracle that tries every day to live life well and sometimes doesn't get it right. But that's okay because God still loves us. You You and I, we are this amazing miracle that just tries to live life well, and we will not always get it right. But God just looks past that and pours out his love and grace on us. When we live as if there is a shortage of God's grace and love, we're always living with an anxiousness that at some point God is going to simply say, sorry, you've used up your quota. I just don't have any more to give you. When in reality, God's giving never ends and God's grace never runs out. We sometimes live as if there is a shortage of God's power and empowerment for our lives. Now, there has been a misuse and abuse of power in our world, and that word power connected with God can be problematic. So for me, I try to see this word power in the form of energy. And that's how exactly Paul understands it, energy and aliveness. And it was this powerful energy that raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul says that this powerful resurrection energy and aliveness lives on through you and I, This is not a power to use to lord it over others and control others. Rather, this power, this power is an inward energy that brings to us and within us an aliveness that empowers us to live in faithfulness to God and serve our world in a life-giving way. Now, this is not some ethereal, mystical, otherworldly power empowerment disconnected from real life. In fact, it is intended for real life and every day. We're energized and empowered to love others when it's hard. That's when it shows up. We're empowered to live with courage and resilience when we want to give up. We're empowered to try again and persevere when we're exhausted and we feel we can't go on. We're energized and empowered to lead when others don't feel like leading. 
We're empowered and energized to speak truth to power when it may even be misunderstood or criticized. We're empowered and energized with wisdom and insight that we could not have manufactured on our own and a creative way opens up that we would not have seen. That's God's power. We're empowered and energized to take that next step towards getting our own life unstuck and moving towards increased personal growth and wholeness. Now, you might say, I didn't think God cared about all that, and I would respond with this. Why wouldn't God care about all that? Because it has to do with our lives, and it has to do with living well, and God absolutely cares about my life and your life and living well so we can flourish, and it is absolutely God's empowerment God's energy, God's aliveness that comes into us to enable us to do that. Now, in the end, I think we focus so much on these short-term shortages that we often forget the other things that our world lacks. I posted this on my Facebook page this past Wednesday in the midst of our gasoline shortage, and here's what I wrote. The gas shortage is real, and it's likely short-lived, but we also live in a world that suffers other shortages. Shortage of empathy, shortage of compassion, shortage of understanding, a shortage of presence, a shortage of humility, a shortage of bridge building, a shortage of reconciliation, a shortage of courageous conversations, a shortage of kindness, a shortage of hope. We would often much rather pick sides, demonize the other, marinate in cynicism, and post a meme while our world and the innocent and the most vulnerable suffer from our inability to supply what is most needed, that is, solutions, creativity, imagination, and the effort to find common ground. We don't lack the resources. We often lack the will and the courage. Now, this was simply my way of reminding myself and anyone else that might read it that there are shortages in the world of character, shortages in the world of spiritual fruit that we often miss because we're so focused sometimes on lack of toilet paper or bread or gasoline or Chick-fil-A sauce. And in due time, in due time, most of that stuff, if not all of it, will come back. But what a loss to our world if we keep shorting ourselves on such things as empathy, compassion, understanding, humility, reconciliation, courage, hope, and kindness, and even imagination and creativity. Ultimately, Paul's letter to the Ephesians reminds us that God's presence fills all of creation and all of our lives as well. As Paul writes, God put everything under Christ's feet and made him head of everything in the church, which is his body. His body, the church, is the fullness of Christ. And a couple of chapters later, he writes, I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. All of creation, the whole universe, is filled with the abundant presence of God and God's gifts. God's people, from small faith communities to mega faith communities, are all filled with the fullness of Christ, so that each faith community and congregation lacks nothing, but have everything they need to thrive and to flourish. Our lives are filled with the fullness of God, so that we have everything we need, everything we need, to thrive and flourish, and to live well if we choose to live in that way. And ultimately, this fullness of God is marked by an awareness of the love of Christ, a love that speaks to each of our conditions and meets us at our point of need, as well as a love that lives through us and speaks to the world's conditions and brings a healing presence through our actions and through our words. 
Again, to quote the Quaker um, author, Parker Palmer, there is no way for God to act if we and other created beings are unwilling or unable to give substance to God's yearning, God's energies, and God's will. We must discern the gifts God gives us, accept them, employ them, pass them along. Without our active cooperation, God's abundance remains in the realm of potential, always there, always available, but untapped. To put it in Christian terms, we are called to incarnate the Christ life. Friends, shortages. Shortages will come and shortages will go, but there will never be and never has been a shortage of God's power, God's love, God's grace, God's creativity, God's wisdom, and God's light. There has never been a shortage of any of that. There has only mainly been a shortage of creativity, courage, and the will to accept the challenges. So let's not leave God's potential within our churches and our own lives untapped. Let's live in the abundance of God. Let's live out the fullness of God. And let's live with this abundance mentality that God can provide everything we need and God can provide everything the world needs through us if we choose to live within that abundance.